freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 140 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by AZ Firearms, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is a second helping of episode 12, and it was titled Author Day, Protecting Our Rights Through the Written Word, How Mighty is the Pen. Absolutely. So this is one of our best of shows, uh, which I guess would be better than doing a, a worst of show. Right? Yeah. And how did you come to pick this one? Well, you know, authors, their work really is timeless for the most part. I mean, every once in a while, you'll find a book that, you know, life has moved on and the it something has nullified the message that was written about at the time that the author wrote it. But um, for the most part, I think authors are, you know, the books are forever. And the three authors that we had on that day specifically um, very timeless. Is that such a thing? Very timeless? That sounds a little redundant, doesn't it? I'm not sure what you're talking about. I'm not listening to you anyway. <laughs> Which is pretty much par for, uh, le course. So, um, so this episode, uh, it was aired before the 2016 presidential election. So it was at a time when there was still a lot of uncertainty people on both sides of the political aisle I think were you know I think we were all just filled with anxiety you know just not knowing and uh now that we know there's a whole different kind of anxiety out there um you know the the left the democrats I mean bless their hearts but they kept saying at the time you know well if if Donald Trump wins and he doesn't accept the results, then, you know, it's going to be terrible. And then what happened was Donald Trump did win and they didn't accept the results and they still haven't accepted the results. And it's it's really created a, a horrible, I think, uh, tension in the country, a division in the country and um you know, that's where leadership comes in. If the leadership would say, you know what, this is something we've been doing for over 200 years. We don't have to be happy about the results, but these are the results. Let's put our minds to uh, creating the best, strongest country we possibly can and move the ball forward, put our best foot forward and set about trying to win the next election. What a different world we'd be living in right now today 
And I, I wish that there was more of that kind of leadership. But anyway, so this show, How Mighty Is the Pen, was before that election. And it was also just after a major terrorist attack in Paris, France. So we, we have a great lineup for you to hear. It's three guests, um, all of them authors. They speak about firearms, self-defense, and laws in timeless ways. Um, and when episode 12 was recorded, we did a couple of things a little different than we do now. Danny, instead of Dan's commentary, um. he used to have a dance tip of the week. And you will not want to miss that. So stick around for the entire show. Yeah, I guess I kind of run out of tips. <laughs> well, or maybe I ran out of weeks. Well, you kept getting so riled up about things going on in the news that I thought, you know what, though, that doesn't really lend itself to tips. So no. we'll give you a, instead of a commentary or a rant, we'll give you a commentary. Um, but you know, <laughs> don't get riled up. Um, let me think. Yep. Well, you know, we got plenty of things to talk about. But you know what I want to know? Huh. What makes a person want to go in and buy a gun? I mean, mm -hmm. you wake up one morning and you say, I want to go buy a gun. Mm -hmm. That's me every day, but I mean, I'm talking about normal people. <laughs> what do they do? What, Cheryl, what would you do if well, you didn't have a gun shop? That is really interesting. And because we have a gun shop, we get to hear people's reasons and stories every single day. And it's as varied as... The individual who comes in and, you know, sometimes people, they see a gun in a movie and they're like, that's a cool gun. And I want to add that to my collection. And, you know, they don't really care too much about the, the caliber or, you know, any of the specs on it or the technical stuff of the gun. They just want to have that particular tool in their, in their collection. Other people have thought about it for months, Right. They've done every research they possibly can. They've gone to the range where they can rent one and of that specific gun and tried it out. And, um, you know, it, it's they're very, very detailed in how they make the decision. Well, the most exciting time for me when a cu customer walks in our door to buy a gun, I think the one I like the most is somebody who's excited. They see something that they've never seen before and they just got to have it. Mm -hmm. So they got to go talk to the wife and say, come on, please, please, please. And she comes <laughs> down, they talk about it, they go outside, talk about it for a while, they come back in, and they decide to buy it. That's my favorite kind of uh, person to purchase a gun. But then there's also the well, ones that's what really... About, what about the women that come in and they have to ask their husband, you know, that, hey, can we squeeze this into the budget? That's really happening. <laughs> you know what? The women don't ask. They just do it. There's a difference there. <laughs> that's a true story. <clears throat> don't tell anyone. Yeah, but you know... And then the, I guess the kind that moves me the most the other way is the person that has to buy a gun today, mm. that they've had some tragic thing happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel good about helping that person because, you know, we're going to get them what they want, everything. But um, it's, it's a different kind of feeling. It is. You know, because we're just, we're there. I feel good about the fact that we can help them. Absolutely. Get them the right thing instead of just walking into a big box store and, they buy a gun that they have no idea anything about. So, you know, so there's all those kind of people that, you know, and then you got the gun shows and stuff, which, you know, I really love to go to and I like to fill my truck up, you know. <laughs> so 
Yeah, how come? Okay, so you're the husband and I'm the wife. How come you never said it? Honey, please, please, can I? How come that doesn't happen? Do you ask me when you buy a book? <laughs> no, but my books usually don't cost, you know, four or $500 a yeah, but, pop. But you get to buy books, right? <laughs> That's cute. You're you're cute when you when you do that. Really, what it is is like a oh, honey. By the way, I bought a couple of cannons. Uh, excuse me, but Cheryl has more books than I have guns. No possible way is that true. Yes, not the true. ones you know about anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we have got to get this show started. So uh, as the show begins, you're going to be hearing us talk about an event that we had been to. Uh, back in 2015 called the Future of Freedom event, and it'll just take off from there. So stick around, sit back, enjoy the show, and uh, let us know what you think on on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, at our email address, talk at Gun Freedom Radio. Here we go. It was called the Future of Freedom. And uh, Ann Coulter came out. She was the speaker. Hugh Hewitt was the uh, the moderator. It was held in the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts right here in Phoenix. And it's interesting because when I first heard of the event, I had one reaction to it. I was like, Future of Freedom. Okay, that's a great name because, you know, the election's coming up. It's a political season. But, but it kind of had a one-dimensional feel to it for me. So then we go to the event. And it was really wonderful. It was very intimate, very small setting. Hugh Hewitt was actually speaking and asking questions of the audience. Right, um, it's like we were—he was talking to us, and we were talking back. Right, it like a conversation. conversation. Yes. And um, but I realized, okay, so their their headliner, Ann Coulter, she is a pretty, you know, controversial figure out there as it pertains to immigration, border rights, uh, border issues, those kinds of things. Um, But then we listened to everything that was said that night. And Hugh challenged her on several things. You can tell that they they probably banter uh, off off stage about things and, and don't necessarily agree on maybe the delivery you know, there's this harsh tone. Up, my uh, PR lady Kim Bishop was there with us, and she leaned over and said, "She's kind of like the female Donald Trump, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she really is. I mean, because she's not going to sugarcoat. She's going to say what she thinks, and it hits people's ears as, oh, that's so harsh. That's so not PC. That's so quote unquote wrong. But if you'll get past that initial reaction and you listen and you hear the content." What she's really saying, I think, resonates, and maybe even more so right now in this exact moment in time when we're seeing what can happen in a place that is just very open, just come on in, just, you know, without any um, no, restrictions. Right. When or, we drove, when we were in Germany, we drove to Paris. I, I don't remember going through any border check. No, it but just, flying into Germany, remember the guys oh, in the airport with the guns on yeah, their they slung H, on the back? They had HK-91 <laughs> rifles. So they got the, their airport yeah. locked down. But but what what came to my mind as, as I'm thinking about the content of what Ann Coulter is saying is when you're fleeing point A, right? Right. And you're coming to point B. Let's call America point B. 
You pick whatever point A you want. They're fleeing that because of the oppression, because of the politics, because of terrorism, because you, you name it. They're fleeing that. And they rush over to point B. They're not coming here just because there's nowhere else to go. They're coming here because of our ideals, because of freedom, because of opportunity, right? Because of everything that America is. But they haven't had the time to assimilate then they're bringing a a point a ideals a new change right they're bringing it to point b so then point b becomes a watered down version of point a and then where do they go what is the future of freedom then yeah it's the things that they ran away from they're bringing right back to us again i um i'll tell you i wasn't really excited about going to that show but when i went there was a um Something in the back of my head that she woke up. We need to wake up. Our life is our, our lives are changing, and we better do something. We need to be, not be so politi- politically correct. We need to speak, and we need to talk. Well, and there's so much to be said for speaking truth in love, right? I mean, right. I, maybe that's a Christian ideal, but you know, now we can't speak the truth, no matter what, right? Because if the truth hurts anybody's feelings then clearly there was no love behind it. Right. That's you, not the truth. Right. You, you might not not like like not him because his, his skin color or something else, just because you don't agree with him, now you're a racist. So I don't know, but I'll tell you, this. it was a, one of the best events that I've went to in a long time. It, it was really interesting. And, um, and I came away with a different feeling about uh, Anne and a, a greater respect for, for what she's trying to say. Um, you know, some people might say, well, if she would soften her message, she would reach more people. But she's saying somebody's got to hold the line. Right. Somebody, somewhere. And, um, you know, a lot of times the person, the, the lone wolf in the wilderness that's crying out, that looks and sounds like maybe a crazy person at first, uh, sometimes, very often, history well, shows that person's words to be... Unlike Donald Trump, which I don't have anything against Donald, I think he's brought some really good points out. She can back up what she's saying. And you can speak weird and you can speak strange as long as you can back it up. Everything that she said that night was backed up. It was. And, you know, we had so many uh, news stories we were going to talk about today, but but I'm glad we spent our time talking about this. And I really hope that, um, you know, you're, you're talking around your dinner tables, you're talking around the, the water coolers at work about the important issues and what could be done and what we haven't done yet. And um, we've got some, some great topics coming up. One of the, the, the people we have here in studio coming up next is John Marshall, and he brings us back to the historical significance of guns from all over the globe. And, and you know, they don't it's people that want you to believe that guns are just evil and that's the end of it, they, they need to listen to, to John as he comes up next because we're having Author Day here at Gun Freedom Radio. We also have Greg Hopkins coming up talking about can we be Christian and armed to defend ourselves and our families at the same time? And Alan Corwin's coming up in hour number two. Please stick around. You don't want to miss today. Your front door, your car, your gun. 
safety is a habit. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. Cable locks help keep firearms secured. Learn how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. For straight shooting, look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com, where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. They're my nationwide hometown gun shop. And you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Collier sent you. Come in for AZ Firearms' huge gun buying event taking place now until the end of the month. From single items to entire collections, AZ Firearms pays you the highest values for your guns. Long guns, handguns, military, western, even your old brass and ammo. We buy it all. Find us online at azfirearms.com. That's azfirearms.com. Or visit us off I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 Western Avenue in historic Avondale. Don't miss the AZ Firearms huge gun buying event now through the end of the month. Check us out online at azfirearms.com. Or stop on by AZ Firearms, the largest small gun shop in Arizona. This is Michael Medved for townhall.com. Widespread public disgust with petty bickering and corruption in Washington has led to popular preference for an outsider candidate for president, not a professional politician. Americans long for another Lincoln, someone who's wise and idealistic and untainted by political machinations. The only problem is that the real Lincoln was a proud professional Paul. He first ran for the legislature at age 23 and spent his entire adult life seeking or holding public office. Our greatest presidents all earned deep experience experience in practical politics. Washington won election to the Virginia House of Burgesses at age 26. Theodore Roosevelt entered the New York legislature at 23 and his cousin Franklin became a state senator at 28. Even Reagan devoted 25 uninterrupted years to the practice of politics with masterful sophistication. History shows that to achieve success at the highest level, it helps immensely to have sharpened your skills and deepened your perspective with campaigns for lesser offices. I'm Michael Medved. When you're working hard to beat debt, you got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of hundreds just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, household items, to cars, boats, guns, and more at potofgoldestate.com. Or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more, visit potofgoldestate.com. potofgoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun 
Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We're sponsored by azfirearms.com, the nationwide hometown gun shop. Your nationwide hometown gun shop. We usually say the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, but we're both things. So we want you to check us out because we, uh, we're about a thousand square feet, but we have like, what, Dan, 1,200 guns? Yes, and uh, we have a new addition, a new one's coming. The stork is bringing us a mortar, <laughs> a, a live fire mortar. Because so. everybody needs one. Why not, right? They're fun. Yeah, and that is exactly what our next guest is about. Because lost in the political tensions and drama over the gun debate is the exquisite beauty and the historical significance of firearms. We have in studio with us today an author who hasn't forgotten these things and who has written a gorgeous picture book to help remind others in generations to come. Mr. John Marshall, welcome to the show. Hi, Cheryl. It's a real pleasure to be here with you guys today. Oh, it's our pleasure. We are so excited. And I, John is has a wonderful history. You're a veteran? Yes. Right? Army. Army, that's right. And thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. And he is a contributor to the Blue Press for Dylan Precision uh, Press, right? Not, he, but he doesn't do the covers. He just does the inside, okay? <laughs> yeah, this month there's a very attractive young lady dressed like Santa Claus. So if that doesn't make you run out and grab one, I'm not sure Every what Every cover has Most one. Most people subscribe, by the way. It's free. And they, they subscribe for the for the articles, not the covers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to let that one lie. And so uh, when you open to the, the centerfold, the centerfold is actually John's articles about some beautiful, some historic gun. Class, <laughs> classic guns, I like to call them, or classic firearms, because I, I cover uh, rifles, pistols, shotguns, what have you. But uh, And the name of your book is? 101 Classic Firearms. And how do people find it? Okay, they can get it only through Dillon Precision because uh, Dillon, the folks at Dillon, funded the uh, the printing of the book, for which I, I'm grateful. But it can be uh, ordered at DillonPrecision.com or uh, their toll-free telephone number is 1-800-223-4570, which should be familiar numbers to most, most gun freaks. Well, and after you get done listening to... Uh all that he has to tell us, you're definitely going to not only get one for yourself, but probably a couple as uh, holiday gifts coming oh, they're, up. They're great Christmas gifts, and he just said you can only get them from Dylan. So think about it. I mean, no one's going to have it. So, right. you know, it's going to be... It'll be a unique gift yes. for this For year. those that live in the Scottsdale area, uh, Dylan's located in North Scottsdale on uh, on uh, Dylan's Way, which is a pretty good name for the street they, they are on, but they have a company store, and they can be bought there directly. Very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background and what brought you to write a book like The 101 Classic Firearms. Well, Cheryl, I've always been a history buff. I just love studying history, particularly American history. And the neat thing, uh, it's been said that the history of our nation is the history of our nation's wars. And to a large extent, this is true. And the implements of those wars were guns. And uh, I started out by collecting in the U.S. military field. And to me, it was a thrill to be able to hold a rifle that might have been there at Antietam or, or Gettysburg and realize that 
my great-grandfather who did fight in the Civil War might have held one of these things, maybe even this very one if I was that lucky. But then I got to shoot them, I got to understand them, I studied up on them, and uh, I began writing. And uh, it, it just uh, kind of flowed like uh, Topsy from that point on. Well, the book is also, I mean, it is rich with the historical significance of the guns, but the pictures also. I mean, you look like you could just pick the gun up off the page. It's a beautiful coffee table book. And so you probably hired some high-level photographer to to come in and get all those pictures, right? (laughs) Not at all. Uh, The large majority of the pictures in the book I took myself because photography has been one of my hobbies since I was a kid. Interestingly enough, the front and back covers of the gun uh, were laid out on my back porch, and I shot them from overhead from the roof of my house. So, <laughs> <there's> <laughs> I bet your wife was thrilled about that. <laughs> she was holding my shirt tail to be sure that I didn't fall <laughs> off the roof. Well, that's well, a trooper. Instead of yelling, get down off the roof, which is what I would have been doing, they she are was up gr- there helping you. They are great pictures, Cheryl, but I, I'll tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't do like you said, because I tried to pick one of the guns up. They don't. No? No, Aww, you can't. But they are that good. It's it's a beautiful book. They are. Now, tell me, do you have maybe two favorites? I mean, there's 101 in there, and then you're constantly probably finding more, uh, right? Well, you're asking a very tough question because I've got a lot of favorite guns. But I'll say, yeah, there's, there's two that I particularly like. One is the Model 1911 pistol, a product of the mind of the master, John Browning. This this gun, the 45 automatic, has been in service with the United States for over 100 years. The Marine Corps is still using it. And uh, I got my first one at the age of 21 as soon as I could buy one and discovered to my amazement after doing some reading that I could take the gun completely apart to the very last piece without using a single tool. Wow. Uh, the parts of the gun itself actually enabled uh, the disassembly of additional parts. And that's what made it such a fine oh, gun uh, for the military. A, it was a masterpiece. Being uh, out in the field, right? Even, even the screws in the, in the grips, you didn't need a screwdriver. You could use the rim of a cartridge. The, the slots are concave to accommodate that. Beautiful. So uh, John Browning amazed me. And uh, the gun is... Uh, reliable and it's a solid classic as a matter of fact in my book i i use a picture of it as the frontispiece on the inside of the book so that would be my first number one favorite the other one is a bit of an oddity and uh not often found it's called the liberator pistol the fp45 uh, liberator it was probably the cheapest gun of, of any I've ever encountered. They were manufactured during World War II as a top-secret project, and uh, a million of them were produced for less than $2 a piece. Um, they were going to be used to uh, give to partisans uh, in countries around the world so that they could shoot the enemy and then take their guns away from them. They could be airdropped, and, of course, they would be useless to the enemy as such. But uh, it turns out they weren't used all that much. Uh, many of them went to England ready to go into France and were scrapped after the war. And, and, and uh, some of the English children, as a matter of fact, got a hold of some of them before they were scrapped and were using them as toy pistols <laughs> before people realized that, hey, these were actual guns. Yeah, you know, they, deal, they were yeah. cheap stampings. They, they were unrifled. I fired one a couple of times, and uh, it has an unrifled bore. And uh, 
the the round's keyhole through the target, but I'm sure they would have done lethal damage. Right. So yeah, they were dropped from a plane with six rounds, right, or five five rounds? Ten, ten rounds. Ten mm-hmm. rounds, mm-hmm. and so the gun was ready to go. Wow. Two dollars. Two bucks. Now, what are, they worth, John, what are they worth now, John? Uh, they, uh, I would say that the current price is about $3,000 for one without the original box. If you have the box, you can double that. Holy cow. Well, we are talking with author John Marshall. He's the author of 101 Classic Firearms, talking about the history and beauty of firearms. And we're going to hold him through the commercial. So come on back. We've got more stories to share. Hi folks, I'm Don Kyer. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Come in for AZ Firearms' huge gun buying event taking place now until the end of the month. From single items to entire collections, AZ Firearms pays you the highest values for your guns. Long guns, handguns, military, western, even your old brass and ammo. We buy it all. Find us online at azfirearms.com. That's azfirearms.com. Or visit us off I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 Western Avenue in historic Avondale. Don't miss the AZ Firearms huge gun buying event now through the end of the month. Check us out online at azfirearms.com or stop on by AZ Firearms, the largest small gun shop in Arizona. Want to talk guns? This is Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We're the host of Gun Freedom Radio, heard every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network. If you feel passionate about gun rights and the Second Amendment issues that have a profound effect on our lives, or maybe you want to stay current on the latest gun laws with analysis from legal experts and policymakers. Maybe you love shopping for guns and crave the latest and greatest equipment. Are you looking for interesting tips on how to maintain your firearms? Wondering which firearm is the best option for your personal protection? We created Gun freedom radio for you to talk about the issues to become informed and to be entertained gun freedom radio covers the latest news in the world of firearms and we want you to join the conversation so let's talk that's gun freedom radio each week every saturday from 1 to 3 p.m and catch us on demand at gunfreedomradio.com proudly sponsored by azfirearms.com the biggest little gun shop in arizona Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Hi folks, I'm Don Kyer. 
If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Come in for AZ Firearms' huge gun buying event, taking place now until the end of the month. From single items to entire collections, AZ Firearms pays you the highest value for guns. Long guns, handguns, military, western, even your old brass and ammo. We buy it all. Find us online at azfirearms.com or visit us off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. Don't miss the AZ Firearms huge gun buying event. Now through the end of the month at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio. We engage, educate, and inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are in studio today with author John Marshall on this author day and remembering the beauty, innovation, and historical significance of firearms from around the globe. And Dan has a couple of questions for John. John, I'm, I'm looking at the back of the book here. Uh-huh. I always start at the back. What, I don't know what's why. the name of the book? 101 Classic Firearms. Yes. And on the back, there is a picture of a 3040 Craig with a very unusual bayonet. I want you to Tell me about that bayonet, if you don't mind. <laughs> I put that bayonet on the Craig for a reason. For one thing, it's uh, it's the only uh, bayonet featured in the book. Uh, but it's very unusual. It has a buoy uh, blade shaped very much like a, like a buoy knife. In 1900, uh, it was an experimental bayonet that Springfield Armory came up with. They said, gee, that would make a nice fighting tool, an entrenching tool, and, uh, and, and a bayonet. Uh, so they made a limited number of them, and they shipped most of them to the Philippines and to Cuba. This was at the time of the Spanish-American War and the Cuban insurrection. Well, it didn't work out very well. Uh, they, they just weren't a great big hit with the soldiers. And uh, as a result, most of them uh, wound up rusting away in jungles or, or getting lost, and uh, very few of them ever survived. First one I ever saw uh, was in the Springfield Armory Museum. It was under lock and key behind glass. And uh, it was the only example I had ever seen until I encountered one at a gun show uh, a number of years ago. And, of course, I began to drill over it, and I couldn't leave until I I got it. (laughs) And uh, I I featured it on the book because I knew it would attract the eye of of a true collector who would look at that and instantly say, my gosh, he's got a crag buoy bayonet. <laughs> and uh, that's why it's there. I, I, I love it. It's an artifact that I probably paid more for than most of the guns I own. Yeah, it's worth three or four times more than a mint gun would be worth. Not to rush it, but we got another gun to talk about, too. Smith & Wesson, light rifle, 1940s. Ah, you know, I went into your gun shop, and I saw that hanging on the wall, and I said to myself, I'm coming back here, and I'm going to ask these wonderful people if I can photograph it and make it the subject of an article, uh, which I did. Uh, the Smith & Wesson Model 1940 light rifle was uh, basically to go to England. 
uh, to arm their troops. Uh, it was interesting because it was, first of all, a semi-automatic, like our M1 carbine, fired the 9mm Luger cartridge. You look at it and you wonder where the ejection port is, uh, but there's a very large magazine, much too large for 9mm. Turns out that uh, what you're looking at is not a magazine, but a housing that also had an ejection chute, so the uh, shells would eject straight down. Well, that's wonderful on the range, but for an uh, infantryman, that's of no particular value. Uh, there were several problems with it. Number one, the uh, European 9mm was loaded to a much higher pressure level, and it tended to tear the rifle apart. And secondly, if you had a jam, since there was no ejection port, you had to disassemble the rifle to clear the, the jam. It was not a good thing. The British rejected the rifle, and they wanted back the money they had forwarded to Smith & Wesson to the tune of about a million dollars, which in 1940 was a lot of money. And uh, it, it turns out that uh, uh, Smith & Wesson would face bankruptcy if they, if they had to not fulfill that contract. So a fellow by the name of Carl Hellstrom, who was an up-and-coming guy at Smith & Wesson, later became their president, decided that hey, it would be a good idea if we could negotiate with the British and sell them revolvers instead of this light rifle, which he did and was successful. He says it was probably the most trying time of his life. Well. And uh, at any rate, the light rifles, there were very few of them left. There's only five in British museums today. Smith & Wesson had a number, and they sold them to collectors in the post-war years. Well, you guys have two of them. Uh, there was an early <laughs> model and, uh, and uh, a later model. And I photographed the earlier one, and it's the subject of an article which will probably appear in the blue press before too long. Well, I, 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 have, I have two of everything. I try to because <laughs> I keep thinking if I get two, maybe there'll be three. But it doesn't work that way. I even got two different styles, a Mark I and Mark II, thinking one must be a boy, one must be a girl. Uh -huh. I keep Every day I look in the gun shop, there's only two. <laughs> Boys, what well, am I, I, gonna I, do? I appreciate the opportunity to photograph it and use it for the article. It's a great, great piece. Oh, thank you so much, John, for being here today. We've got to have you back because these are phenomenal stories. Um, tell us really quick again, how can we find this book? Sure. Uh, you can order it online at dillonprecision.com or you can call the, the Dillon folks. Uh, they're at 1 800 223 4570. Or you can go to their store in North Scottsdale, Dillon Precision. They're located on Dillon's Way. Beautiful. Thank you again for being here. Now, coming up, we have a Christian book coming up, Time to Kill, The Myth of Christian Pacifism. And author Greg Hopkins will be here to talk to us about a time to kill. I'm Charlie Cook from Riding Shotgun with Charlie. Conversations in the car about gun safety, freedoms, and even a few laughs. Imagine you're in the back seat listening to an intimate chat with me and my passengers as we drive all around the country. Listen, watch, and subscribe to the Riding Shotgun with Charlie YouTube channel and podcast. 
Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. When you're working hard to beat debt, you got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of hundreds just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, household items, to cars, boats, guns, and more at potofgoldestate.com. Or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more, visit potofgoldestate.com. potofgoldestate.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And uh, that music is a little bit different, a little bit special, and you'll know why when I introduce our next guest, because there's a new documentary coming out about a Christian pastor who is attempting to kind of shame Christians into turning away from guns and beating our modern-day swords into plowshares. And our, our next guest is author Greg Hopkins, and he wrote a book called A Time to Kill, the Myth, the Myth of Christian Pacifism, to talk to us about this topic. Greg, are you there? I'm here, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, thank you for joining us. And you're uh, you're standing in a barn somewhere. You said today, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm out in the parking lot. I'm at a gun show, but uh, there's too much noise in there, so I'm sitting in the car in the parking lot. So maybe you could hear me, and I could hear you. Well, it's <laughs> you're coming through perfect on this end, and I I really appreciate you coming on to talk about something this important because. 
when you have a pastor, you know, a Christian pastor, and he's trying mm-hmm. to sort of conflate the idea of if you're pro-life, uh, then you can't also be pro-gun rights. It's a, I, I feel like it's a bit of a twisted message in there, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping you can kind of shed some light on it. Well, it, it, it certainly is. Uh, Christians, of course, were the first—Christians uh, and Jews, I'm sorry—were both uh, took a stand on abortion in ancient times and uh, you know, on infanticide as well. Uh, many cultures uh, practiced infanticide as well. If, if a baby wasn't pink and perfect, they would leave it out to, and expose it to die, uh, and in many cases, in, in many cultures. Uh, the Greeks, for instance, did that, and so did the Romans. Uh, but that they, it was the uh, Jewish and Christian community that first stood for life, because God holds that all life is sacred. And, and so what happens is, uh, naturally, we have come down to this day and age with abortion, and uh, Christians have taken the historic stance that that life is sacred. But then we come to a dichotomy, you know, where there has been a strain of pacifism in Christianity since the second century. And this is something I want to emphasize, is that it was not until the latter part of the second century, 150 years at least, after Jesus ascended, and uh, another uh, 90 years after the last book of the Bible, written, that we have a couple of church fathers, uh, Origen and Tertullian, coming up with the idea that Christians were not supposed to fight back. It was then that this came along, and not before. It is not taught in the Bible. And I show in the book that Jesus, every opportunity that he could have had to preach against war, uh, for instance, uh, neither he nor John the Baptist nor uh, Peter, when they encountered soldiers, none of them told the soldiers to quit the military. And uh, it, uh, and, and Jesus, when he had chances to preach about pacifism, he in fact did not. And uh, the uh, and I explain, for instance, turn the other cheek and live by the sword, die by the sword, in their entire biblical context, both Old and New Testament. And, and so this preacher in this uh, Armor of Light movie is, is quite confused, and, and he's confused by the same thing that many Christians are confused by, and the reason I wrote the book was to unconfuse them as to what the Bible actually says about self-defense. Well, that's incredible, and you've just given us so much to just kind of sit and absorb and, and try to figure out, and I think that's why it's so important that you've taken the time to and put these thoughts in your book. Uh, it's called A Time to Kill, The Myth of Christian Pacifism, um, because there are so many different scriptures that— mm-hmm. and see, scripture can be tricky, too, because people yes. like to just grab a line out of context, right? Maybe just right. a piece of a line, right? And mostly, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us like to beat each other with it. You know, just oh, kind yes. Of, kind of inflict damage on one another. <laughs> ra- rather well, that, than... Go ahead. That, that's why it took, it took me so long to put the book together. I wanted to make sure that everything was in context. Uh, you know, that, that uh, and, and context, first of all, means that 
you read everything that's in there on a particular subject, and then you make sure you don't take a verse out of context, just to prove your point, and uh, you make sure it, it works according to the, what the rest of the Bible has to say about that subject. Hey, Greg, this is Dan. Yes, Dan. I had a thousand things to say to you today, but you threw me off when you said you're at a gun show and I'm not. <laughs> You know, but you're on the radio talking to a guy who's at the gun yeah. show, so hey, it's you, almost yeah. If you the can same. Pick, up, pick up a couple things from <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm selling my book at the gun show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know the, the the I saw the video clip, the Armor of Light, and it oh. just really uh, got me kind of angry. And I think, you know, aren't our bodies temples, and aren't we supposed to protect? You know, we're we're told to watch what we eat and to exercise <laughs> and treat ourselves well. It's, what is he thinking that we're we're just to sit there and and just let evil come and and destroy us willingly. Well, this this is the problem with pacifism is is that uh, you know it, it has it has a real problem. If we actually were uh, pacifists, then we at some point we would totally be destroyed by the bad guys. And uh, so it it uh, and and this is the thing that, that uh, Christians were never that way. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, Peter, uh, you know, if you take Jesus and live by the sword, die by the sword, you have to take it in context of what's told them starting with the Last Supper. And he said, y'all remember when I sent you out and uh, I told you, don't take anything. They said, well, yeah. Did you need anything? No. He says, but now you're going to need a sword, and because after I leave, and you're no longer under divine protection. And it, he talks about that, the fact that he had divinely protected all of his disciples, with the exception of Judas, in John 17, if anyone wants to go look it up. And he says, but now I'm going to leave, and then you're going to need weapons. And and people say, uh, say well, why would someone need weapons? Well, if you go to First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 11, at verses uh, 23 and 25, Paul tells us all the instances when he, as a missionary on his missionary journey, could have used weapons. He says, I was uh, uh, in da- often in danger of death, in verse 23. And then in verse 25, he says how he was in danger. He says, in danger from robbers, which is, you know, that's a good reason to have a sword with you. Mm-hmm. Dangers from my countrymen. Of course, many of the Jews were trying to kill him right up till the day that he died. Dangers from the uh, from the Gentiles, uh, who also didn't like his preaching. Uh, dangers in the city, of course. Dangers in the wilderness, wild animals, and so on like that. And dangers among false brethren. In mm. all those situations, it could have been life and death, and uh, God did not necessarily protect them from from uh, various uh, things in life. For instance, Paul, we know, had a thorn in the flesh that God said, no, I prefer that you have this particular weakness. We don't know what exactly it was, but he says, because my strength is perfected in weakness. And so he allowed them to get sick, and he allowed them to, to uh, have even... Uh, permanent injuries, but at the same time, Jesus told these guys when they went out, be innocent as doves, in other words, don't cause anybody any problems, but be wise as serpents. It's a tough world out there. And so what he was telling them at the Last Supper was, you guys are going to need some backup. You're going to need personal weapons. 
Well, I agree with that. And there's also the scripture. I, I'm not great at remembering the address of the scriptures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, in as much as you are able, right? Uh-huh. That right there tells you, to, in as much as you are able to uh, to do no harm to others, um, I'm paraphrasing now, which is always right. a dangerous place to be, but that right there tells you that you will not always be able to Exactly. Not. That, what, what you're quoting is, is uh, uh, Romans 12, long about the 16th, 18th uh, verse, and Paul says, as much as, as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, which, of course, we, we read that literally and say, okay, don't bug anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but at the same time, there is, a, is an implication there that at some point, some people are going to bug you to the point that you're going to have to deal with them one mm-hmm. way or another. I think also the Sixth Commandment causes some consternation because in some translations, I think it says, you shall not kill. But in other translations, it says you shall not murder, and there is a right. huge distinction between those two words. Yes, and, and you have these people, you know, when there's an execution, they're out there, and that's one of those few verses you said people know. You know, thou shalt not kill, and thou shalt not judge, judge not that you be not judged, and take a little wine, uh, you know. There's, <laughs> uh, that, I'll take oh, the yeah. wine. Uh, although Paul said, that Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake, and your often ailments. Apparently, the wine helps his digestive problems. But in any case, it's what it actually says. Now, in the King James, King James said, thou shalt not kill, his translation, or his translators. But if you look at the New King James, they have what it actually says in the Hebrew, which is lo terzach in Hebrew. Hebrews had, the Jews had eight different words for killing, killing by accident, killing an animal, killing a person, uh, you know, all kinds of different ways, killing in war, but the illegal, intentional killing of a human being, which is the definition of murder, was low turtsoch, and that's what God said in Acts 20, or I'm saying in Exodus 20, 16, hmm. thou shalt not murder, okay? Hmm. And people say, oh, well, that can't be. God, God, don't kill nothing, no time, no how. Well, if you go over to chapter 21, and it says, if a man lies in wait for a man, and uh, so this kills him, you shall uh, put him to death, and you shall not pity him. And if a man kidnaps another man, you shall put him to death. Now, if God did say, thou shalt not kill, then about 25 verses later, he makes it very clear that there is a death penalty. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, so either God forgot what he wrote in stone on the Ten Commandments uh, just a, a few minutes later when he's talking to the Hebrews, or God meant what he said, thou shalt not murder the unlawful, intentional killing of a human being. Greg, again on that Armor of Light clip, what what could that pastor say to his group about the people that were killed in that church having the meeting there? How could he um, how could he talk to them about that? Is he saying just God wanted you to go and that's it, so you're going no matter what? Or what's wrong with defending yourself? I mean, how does <laughs> well, he? That's, there is nothing wrong with defending yourself. Right. Uh, it, on down, for instance. Let's start back in Leviticus 19.16. It says that, it it says, you shall not stand upon the blood of your neighbor, or you shall not stand, uh, 
by the blood of your name. I said, what does that mean? So I went I went to the local Jewish synagogue, and I said, do you have a, a, a translation into English straight out of the Torah? They said, sure. And what I read was, my God, in the book is, you shall not stand by and watch your neighbor's blood shed. And then you look at the rabbinical commentary, say, you know, if somebody's drowning, go save them. If their ox is in the ditch, help them pull it out. If they're being attacked by robbers, get in there and help. Absolutely. And it goes on through the Bible. When Jesus talks to the lawyer, of all people, just like me, me in, in uh, uh, Luke 10, 25 through the end of the chapter. Greg, I'm is, so sorry. We're going to lose we you, are, Greg. We are out of time at a hard break, but please tell people very quickly how to find your book. Okay. You can find it on Amazon, and it's available in Kindle and book there as well. And hopefully we're going to be in the bookstores, uh, hopefully by Christmas. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are having you back on again. Thank you. Such a blessing to be there. And keep up the good work, folks. Keep up the good fight and keep spreading the message. We will. Thank Thank you. Hey, stick with us. We have Alan Corwin coming up right after the break.